This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. I am Nick Sarantos, host and editor-in-chief, Grand Poobah, and other assorted illustrious titles that I've decided to give myself because I have the option to do that. I am joined over the interwebs and on Skype by my good buddy and co-host, AJ Signeri. AJ, do what you do so well that makes me so happy. Hello, people. There it is. Eventually, I'm going to get to a point where I'm going to come up with a really flowery way to do it, and uh, it's just going to make you start laughing before you're able to say it, and I, I can't wait till that day. <laughs> gotcha. You know, it's important <laughs> to have goals, AJ. It is important to have goals. I mean, we all need goals in life. Speaking of goals, no, I'm not going to use goals as a transition. Uh, on today's show, we're going to discuss... Uh, the ram- the death of Anthony Scalia, the ramifications of that, our opinions on the gentleman, and some other stuff that we need to get into, and where this kind of makes the- what's going on with the election, where Senate Republicans and Senate Democrats have decided to make this a much bigger issue. Uh, it is a big issue, but it's it's being inflated. So, but basically, Saturday afternoon. Uh, for those of you who don't know, and if you don't know, then you need to start reading more news. Uh, Supreme Court Justice Anthony, Anthony, not Anthony, Anthony Scalia, which is a douchey way to do it, uh, not die, but a douchey way to say Anthony, uh, right. died, and set off what, and this is a podcast, so we can't swear, set off what it can only be described, AJ, uh, as a shitstorm of political conversation and talk. It happened, the... Fox, Fox, I think Fox News was carrying the Republican debate at the time. I interrupted the debate to make the announcement, which then led into a long discussion as to whether or not people should be appointing him. Where were you, AJ, when you found out? I just came home. I literally, like, walk in the door, turn the TV on, and all of a sudden, it's like, I, I thought it was like Scalia was going to the hospital. But until I actually read the text, like he died, it's like, he did? <laughs> because, you know, it's one of those things where when you have 24-hour news media and Facebook and other social media platforms that we're so used to getting, like, the play-by-play, like, person has a cold. Oh, person has a flu. Oh, they're in the hospital. Oh, they're critically... <laughs> gonna die and they're dead and there was nothing it was just like he's dead like there was no like lead up to yeah there's no he's been suffering for months or you know or even even the story that you sometimes get where they've been keeping his poor health a secret for so long right you know i mean i can't think of anyone else in the era now of 24-hour news where an abrupt death when it comes to a political public figure where it's like they passed i mean i just can't think of one you know i mean i'm sure there are i'm just not thinking that at this moment but you just get that gradual transition of you know prepare for the worst of what this person that's going to happen to this person and everything um so, yeah, I mean, that was, that's what happened to me. I mean, I, I got home, saw it, and I actually had to process that for a second because 
I mean, it, it's a huge, it, it's a huge deal. Yeah, I want. I, I, we got to get into that too because I, I and this is I, I was at home and the news came across. It's, it's all I've gotten a lot of news lately where I just happened to check in on Facebook uh, in the middle of the afternoon and saw the story was was starting to kind of take off. I did what I always do in that scenario, went to CNN, uh, got the confirmation. Because it's one of those things where unless it's being reported by CNN, Fox News, NBC, one of the big things, I don't take it seriously because of the death hoaxes we've had. Right, right. But when you finally get the confirmation that this is what's happening, I, I immediately just went, oh, damn, this is going to screw up the election. And oh, yeah. And, and that was like my first thought. So I get up and I go to tell my roommate and his girlfriend what's going on, and and they understand it, but they they definitely didn't care. And I, and I try to explain to people a couple of my other friends too. My uh, my buddy Dave was out on a double date Valentine's Day, like day before Valentine's Day dinner thing at a country club, and which if you're going to talk about Supreme Court, what better place to do it? He. I tried to tell his girlfriend, one of my best friends, and a couple other of my friends what was going on, and they could not have cared less. I've noticed that a lot with people. It's not a conversation that regular people are having because maybe they don't understand or they're not willing to do the research to understand the importance of what this means right now. The death of a Supreme Court justice in the final year of a divisive president is a major news story. This is above and beyond what a lot of people i think are understanding would you agree yeah um i get i i i had some of that but i also gotten a lot of people who i knew know that they just had just this outright hatred of scalia you know and it's one thing to say, you know, he's passed and, you know, what, what have you. You know, kind of something more sincere about someone's passing. It hasn't been 24 hours and I'm getting, like, messages and reactions of he's, gonna, he's burning hell right now. Yeah, that would be um, me. I mean, that, that kind of violent rhetoric. Okay, I made that post. I'm not. I mean, I'm no. I'm, I'm assuming that's the one you're referring to. Well, I mean, it's, it's more than. Well, yeah, but you did it like well beyond 24 hours. Yeah, well, that was the joke of my thing. I'm, saying, I'm saying within 24 hours. No, no, you can throw on me with that. You don't listen. I'll take the criticism if you feel that it's it's worthy. I I only said it because I believe that in most of the decisions that he was an important factor in, he sided with the side. That I disagreed with. Uh, and, and rightfully so. And I'm not disagreeing on that point. I guess well, well, beyond what you said, and I'm not, it's not more towards you. I've actually, like, AJ, everything is sent about something me. to me saying, you know, I'm glad the motherfucker's dead and all that and everything. I go, dude, I understand. I think all of his decisions was crap. He was more of an ideologue than a justice. But for God's sakes, have some decorum about someone's death. The, the thing is, with, I mean, I agree with you that there is a, uh, a point of having respect for the dead. Uh, but I also have always been leery of the situation where somebody passes and we begin to instantly deify them. 
and ignore yeah. all the stuff we didn't like about them. And that always bothered me, too. It's the, I mean, it's a different realm, but it's that South Park joke that they made about uh, Caitlyn Jenner where mm-hmm. I can respect the bravery of what she's doing, but still think she's a terrible person. Right, and, right. And, you know, with Scalia, it's the same thing. Do I respect the Office of Supreme Court Justice? Absolutely. There is, in my opinion, no higher calling in the land than to be the arbiter of the Constitution of the United States. The problem that I have is whenever a major court decision came down and Scalia would write one of his either uh, dissenting or confirming opinions, his language was always above and beyond, I, I would say, uh, controver- not controversial, confrontational. He managed to side with corporations more often than he sided with people. The decision that he wrote, I, I think he wrote the majority, I'm 100% on this, he wrote the majority opinion on a case, and I, I don't know the case's name, but essentially it was the dead people cannot, their testimony cannot be used unless they were cross-examined and or a deposition which to some people sounds like it makes sense if you can't testify in court you you're and be cross-examined that your your testimony shouldn't be allowed the problem that i have with that is that that is not a criminal decision that is a civil court decision Mm -hmm. which has allowed now corporations to delay as long as possible to getting the deposition of a victim so that if the victim passes then they have no cause or standing before court which means it helps companies who kill people get away with it because they can't be held accountable and that was what my problem with that decision was it's a very conservative decision very political decision that to me screams special interests and that was my problem with, with him, is I always felt that any decision that Scalia rendered was basically part of the old boy network. Like I always got the idea from Scalia that he was just part of what we refer to as the old boy network, that Republican network of, you know, I've got a friend who's in this company, I've got somebody who I know here, and, the, you know, we're just going to all work together to keep making as much money as possible. That was the vibe I always got of Scalia. Oh, yeah. I mean, and like I said, I mean... Scalia was a more intellectual ideologue. So you keep saying that, and I disagree. I no, mean, he he was very much an ideologue. No, I mean I, I get that, but I what what I mean by that is he he couched his decisions in what I guess they they've now started calling since he died an originalist or uh, yeah he wasn't he was an originalist yeah. No, but the, the 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 narrative so far has been he, you know, fought for the Constitution to be defended by the, to be interpreted as it was written at the time it was written. Said, okay, but the court, the Constitution was also written as a living document, mm-hmm. subject to change. It's your job to change it with with current times. He's, he's also, by the way, one of the guys who voted against the FCC ruling that allowed that stopped. That was going to allow internet fast lanes, which would have screwed over small startup companies in favor of the larger companies. And when that decision came down, he was one of the people who was arguing against it. This is where, to me, when you start saying that he's somebody who wanted to defend the Constitution as it was written in the 1700s, okay, that's fine. But does that mean that he wants to defend the three-fifths rule? Which, to me, has always been the argument of why the Constitution needs to constantly be changed. There is, in the Bill of Rights, a line that says 
black people, slaves, are at that time are three-fifths of a whole person. We don't do that anymore because the Constitution needs to be changed to reflect the views of the times. He is the kind of person who, no, it needs to be interpreted as it was in the 1700s. Okay, but based on that, in Illinois, if I steal a horse, I can still be hung. Right. So, I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, there's... The, the idea, to me, of celebrating that aspect of him kind of annoys the hell out of me. This is also, by the way, a guy who, from all of his decisions, would you agree, hated women. I mean, just as a group, was not he was not a friend of, of women in front of his court. No, oh, no, he wasn't. Um, and, and that's why I was surprised when I hear that he and Ginsburg were friends. You know, I mean... It's, yeah, I they spent, like, like every New Year's unknown... Eve together or something. What? They spent, like, every New Year's Eve together or something. That, and they go to the opera together, and they go to each other's chambers to talk or whatever. So, I mean, that's what I was really thrown by. I'm like, I just, I just never can picture that kind of friendship at all. I guess one could. I'm not saying it can't. It's just, I just, for everything that Scalia struck down when it comes to women's issues or related to women's issues, it was always against it. And that's where, what I was saying about him being an ideologue. It's like not so much him celebrating him because he defended the Constitution that the very essence of his judgment was based on conservative ideology. And because of that, he felt he had to champion conservatism in the third branch of government, as well as having his partner in crime, Clarence Thomas, who I'll get to him in a second. Yeah, I want to have some fun talking about Clarence Thomas. <laughs> um, so when you had that buddy movie of those two <laughs> coming together. What a horrible buddy cop movie. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, was, a it, was it not boring. a buddy comedy? Oh, what a horrible movie that would be. <laughs> oh, my God. This is like the, the the white guy who's just spouting racist and sexist and his best friend, the black guy who doesn't talk. It's Jay and Silent Bob conservative <laughs> values. I'm just saying. I mean, that would be... I, actually, now that we're saying it, I feel like we've got a funnier die video on our hands. I'm just saying. I mean, it, I, I wouldn't see that movie. I, would. I wouldn't pay for it, but I'd watch it. Oh, I'll, I'll go pay to see it, but all the money has to go to like Planned Parenthood or something. Or JDRF um, or something? Yeah. By the way, just just a completely unrelated to all of this, I just wanted to tell you that you did. You, was it you who posted the KFC thing? Yeah, that to me is. For those of you who don't know, AJ has a very fun Facebook page. You can find him on Facebook, ladies and gentlemen, under AJ Zignari. Uh, you can look him up, and he does some fun posts. And the one that you put up today of buy a when is it buy a forty two ounce? Uh, it's 40, it's, KFC has this um, <laughs> deal that you can buy a forty two ounce mug of soda. Of soda. And every dollar will go to the Juvenile Diabetes <laughs> Research Fund. Which and all I posted was, why not just donate it and not just have people risk their own health <laughs> to buy every two ounces? So I mean, maybe, maybe it's like hedging your bets. It's like a short. You're just kind of like, I'm, I'm going to buy this and donate to the Diabetes Research because I really want this mug of soda and eventually it will kill me. So here, I'm just going to give you some money so that eventually, when I have it, you can cure me. 
I mean, I don't know. There's no vig at all in, in that kind of. Box. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. I mean, but you mentioned Clarence. Okay, so, I mean, yeah, I brought up Clarence Thomas, and this is why. It, it, it's very much so that those two were friends, and those two had to side with each other when it comes to certain decisions, I feel. And now that Scalia is gone, then the question becomes, I mean, there's that larger question. Who's going to fill Scalia's shoes, all that great jazz, right? But the bigger question, I feel, that's equally important is who is Thomas going to side? Because I have always felt that Thomas was never a strong legal scholar at, at on any level. So he had to be in the shadow of Scalia in order to make the kind of decisions and stances that he had to do and everything. So now, let's just say for the sake of argument that there's going to be a liberal judge on the bench and everything. Now who's Scalia going to, or excuse me, how who's Thomas going to side with? John Thomas? Roberts. John and Roberts. then that's like, that's like the automatic, right? Is it going to be John Roberts or... or Will Thomas have the huevos and get Kennedy, Kennedy, to side with Thomas on stuff? Because Kennedy has always been this Waverly judge who will go liberal or go conservative if he wants to. I feel. Yeah. Well, he's a he was a Reagan appointee in '88, which is still. I, I I personally feel that there there is a distinction between what the world was like. like. People always say like what the world was like before the internet, and, mm -hmm. and that's true, but I feel that there's a difference between what the world was like in a 24-hour news cycle and, bef and after, you know what I'm saying, before and after that. And Anthony Kennedy was put in right at the beginning of the 24-hour news cycle where nobody knew where what it really was. Right. I mean, 88, I think, is right around the time that CNN started. And it hadn't taken over yet. So he was able to get in as a moderate judge. He's still a member of the Supreme Court process. Even under Reagan, when it started to become really politicized, there was a point not that long ago where it wasn't the process that it is now. It was still a, a confirmation hearing and everything, but with the ability to watch it. I mean, think of it this way. It went Anthony Kennedy, who was a relatively easy nomination process, and then after that is Clarence Thomas, where the 24-hour news networks ran with that story, rightfully so, because of everything uh, surrounding that confirmation, which, again, if people don't know, uh, basically involved a pubic hair on a soda can. Feel free to look up the rest of the details yourself. Mm -hmm. But the Supreme Court, now, with this passing, has the potential to be the first, I think, liberal Supreme Court in over 40 years. It's been a conservative court for at least since the 80s. Well, yeah. I mean, ever since Reagan got into office, it's always been a more conservative court than anything else. And, you know, with Clinton being in office, who tried to chip away at that, and then now Barack Obama really chipping away at that, this could be the first time in a long time that we're going to have um, at least – five, four decisions in favor of certain liberal issues. Well, put it this way. Obamacare wouldn't have been the... If if Obama right now nominates and manages to get passed, which I don't think he's going to, I don't think that he'll have a Supreme Court justice uh, before the end of his term. Do you? No. 
I, I don't either. I don't think that there's any way that the that the Senate can do anything. The 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 plus side, if you want to look at it that way, of that happening is that if the Republicans stall on a truly qualified moderate judge, and that becomes the story, it could cost the Republicans the national presidential election and a lot of Senate races, and the Democrats could take back the Senate as well. Well, but that's the thing, and you and you said it well here a moment ago, and that is. Scalia now is going to be another linchpin on the Republican side for some sort of nominee because now you have legislative issues in play, you have judicial issues in play that the Republicans have to circle around. And when you have people like Ted Cruz who's going to say, I'm going to filibuster, I'm going to do whatever power I can as a senator to stop this process, whoever his advisors are, if they're not saying, this is stupid, this is a waste of your time, if they're not saying that, then the whole Cruz campaign is not going to be the kind of campaign it's going to be in the next month or two. Do you, AJ, feel, okay, let's, these are the questions that are being batted around. Do you have a problem with, during an election year, a president nominating a Supreme Court justice? Republican no, or Democrat? No, because that's part of, of the job. <laughs> that, and that's what I feel. There, are, there has been this conversation, though, that, I mean, let's face it. First of all, Yertle the Turtle, Mitch McConnell, thank you, John Stewart, bing, uh, he's not dead, but he's basically, he's not on television anymore. But the, the, the greatest gift that Stewart gave us in his last couple of years was comparing uh, Mitch McConnell to, to Yertle the Turtle. I just, that's important. And within, what would you say, was it four hours of that news coming out? Him and Ted Cruz both stood up and uh, Rand Paul, was it, no, Paul Ryan, all said that there was no way that they would confirm any nominee that he, it's, that there's a, a policy that no president should nominate a Supreme Court justice in his last year of an, in it, during an election year, which I'm like, that's just total, this total BS, and and you're manipulating this situation where one of your most staunch supporters has died, and within 20 minutes you're planning on politicizing it. Granted, it's a political issue, but to just patently say it doesn't matter who he nominates, we're not going to give him who he wants, and. It should be decided by the next president. So let me ask you this question, AJ. Assume Bernie Sanders wins the White House. Unlikely, but let's say that it were to happen. What do you think the first thing, like, do you really want to go with, if you're a Republican, do you want the Supreme Court justice that Mr. Moderate Barack Obama, constitutional scholar and lawyer, is going to nominate? Or do you want the guy that the crazy governor from Vermont, who's a Democratic Socialist, is going to nominate? Um, if I had those two, if you're a choices, Republican, if what? you're if you're a Republican, well, if I was Republican, do you want do you want Obama? I mean, not- if I was if I was like the Republicans that we're seeing now, I would much rather have an Obama choice than a Bernie choice, right? Or a Hillary choice, because if you try to, the thing that people don't understand about Hillary is that right now she's running for office. I think that Hillary Clinton, once she takes office, is going to be the Republicans' worst nightmare. Because she's a Democratic, she's a Democrat establishment candidate, 
And if the Republicans think that they're like Obama was not establishment when he got when he got elected, he was known, but he wasn't uh, he wasn't necessarily the kind of guy who I'm, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. He wasn't the kind of guy who the Democrats are going to side with automatically. He he had come in sort of quickly rose to power fast and before they really got a chance to put their hooks in him which they eventually did with the financial contributions they he came in trying to work with people i don't think hillary clinton's going to make that mistake that's what i'm trying to say i i and i think her nominee is going to be so um, yeah and i think I, I, it was a weird way for me to get there i know but i, I was just trying to figure out the best way to say it no, yeah, I think you're right. Um, I mean, but the thing with Hillary is that we know she's going to have on the bench someone from corporate America, someone <laughs> who's going to be siding with certain policies when it comes to globalization issues, so forth and so forth. Um, not saying we would get that with Obama, um, but... If I again, if I if I was a Democrat, um, my choice would either be someone that Obama chooses, or someone that Bernie chooses, and not Hillary. But if I was a Republican, I'd much rather have someone who's Obama because, like, his presidency up to this point moderate. has been safe. He's a moderate with certain things. Yeah. The the. the, the I actually want to ask you this because we haven't really. I have always felt, uh, as I've gotten older, that the most important job of President of the United States is appointing Supreme Court justices. It is more important than his foreign policy work, more important than submitting laws for approval or any domestic policy issues. The most important job of President of the United States is to support is to appoint Supreme Court justices. Would you agree with that? I guess I'm not a huge fan of the Supreme Court, honestly. Really, I'm just I, yeah. I just never really been that attractive to it. It's like, how should I say this without being an asshole about it? Um, it's like that friend that you like and you get along with them, but they're just there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like if you look at the legislative, the executive, and the judicial branches, you know, you have the executive and the legislative are like the best friends and they they have the um agree to disagree type of attitude but they're again part of that buddy comedy moving everything but then the judicial is like that third wheel it's interesting that you say that i've always had more respect for the supreme court than i have the other two branches of government that's funny that you would say that yeah i just never looked at it as a a very sexy. Well, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that it's like a. It's an interesting thing. I'm talking about the long-term ramifications of a presidency, though. Like at the end of the day, most stuff that a president can accomplish can be undone very quickly by the next president or another Congress or a Senate. But Supreme Court justice is a lifetime appointment who will be ruling on constitutional and law issues theoretically for 30 years to come after you've nominated them. Well, yeah, and. And that part is great and all, but again, I think it's only because of how Scalia made things political, how other 
um, judges made things political that made me not like the Supreme Court as much because. Oh, you mean you're you're talking about the 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 making the Supreme Court a political part? Yeah, because I mean it's like I mean if if you again if you want to be like a purist about it, the Supreme Court is just to uphold the law, right? And if someone says, you know. We have Obamacare. Supreme Court says, so Obamacare. End of story. You know, no have dissenting arguments or judgments. No going to a, a court bank or anything of that nature. Um, none of that. You know, if, if it says marriage equality, it's marriage equality. No ifs, ands, or buts. You know, if Hobby Lobby is... Doing things unconstitutionally, they're doing things unconstitutionally. No ifs, ands, or buts. But with the Supreme Court that we have, minus Scalia, um, well, I'll throw Scalia in there for the sake of argument, that because of the things they've done, they've kind of like stripped away certain value of the laws. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I would argue that the religious conservatism that, now, that was on the Supreme Court with Scalia... Uh, John Roberts, Alito, um, and Thomas, where they, they are constantly pushing what I consider an overly aggressive Christian agenda uh, to someone like me who considers himself either agnostic or even an atheist. I don't consider myself an atheist, but I'm definitely agnostic, and I don't, you know, I'm a member, as Dennis Leary likes to put it, as, as a member of the lapsed Catholic Church. Thou shalt not F that, thou freaking shall. Um, to me, I've always been of the opinion that religion has no place in government, especially in the United States. But when you start getting something like Hobby Lobby where they're allowed to go forward and do this stuff and then you get these dissenting opinions or confirming opinions that say that, you know, under Christian value, well, Christianity has no, for such a constitutional scholar as he claimed to be, a lot of his decisions were religious-based, which always bugged the crap out of me. Yeah, and, and, I, and you know, and because of that, I just never looked at the Supreme Court as like no, the I, it factor, or not the it factor, the, the thing of like, uh, essentially, I don't lionize the Supreme Court like I lionize the legislative branch. Is anything. it because of the ability to overturn the legislative branch because yeah. you feel you have more control? Oh, yeah. I think there's more control at the legislative level than you do at the executive and judicial level. You know, because that's where everything begins, is at the legislative end of things, you know. Um, now, I mean, this could be another episode, but I mean, you look at governors and presidents that have tried to legislate from their executive bully pulpit, you know, and that's, that would be an interesting debate in itself, but I always look at the legislative branch as the body in order to get stuff done and by the time it gets to the executive branch and the judicial branch it ought to be a golden act i I see what you're saying i just i feel that the supreme court though has a power that neither branch has which is their decision is final you make a decision as the president you're subject to review of congress and supreme court you make a decision of you know, in the legislative branch, you're subject to the executive branch and the Supreme Court. If you bring an issue to the Supreme Court and they rule on it as a matter of law, that is now law. 
There, there is no going higher than that. So to me, that's why I've always felt the Supreme Court politically flawed, to be sure, but is the most important branch long-term. Because let's face it, right now, with a 4-4 tie on the court, assuming that Obama doesn't get his nominee, the next president is going to decide relatively, because let's face it, I, I have the list right here. Uh, Scalia was 79 years old when he died. He was basically about to turn 78 next month. Uh, Anthony Kennedy, 79 years old. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, 82 and looking every bit of it. Stephen Breyer, 77 years old. Clarence Thomas, 67 years old. But if you look at the four that I mentioned, you know, Scalia is now passed, but Kennedy, Ginsburg, and Breyer are all in their late 70s or early 80s. Theoretically, all three of them will be replaced within the next eight years. So if you care about certain things, namely universal health care, which a conservative court will overturn. If you care about uh, the rights for a, a woman's rights to choose, the ability to go and have abortion somewhere, that's going to be a very important issue before the Supreme Court because that could be overturned under a conservative court. They haven't had the opportunity really to rule on that yet. No one has brought a definitive case of Roe v. Uh, against Roe v. Wade yet, but that could happen. And that's why it's important to me to protect the Supreme Court as I've always felt when I was growing up, AJ, and I would study history, and they would talk about that period in the 19, late 50s to the mid, uh, late 50s to the early 70s. Uh, I believe that was the Warren Court, correct? Yeah. Under, under Justice Earl Warren, the United States saw some of the most progressive ideals be approved by the Supreme Court, the Civil Rights Act, uh, the desegregations of schools, Brown v. the Board of Education. Put it this way, if the Supreme Court that we had now was around in that time period, schools would still be segregated. A progressive court is important. A progressive yeah. court protects the laws that drive society forward. To me, the, the biggest issue I've ever had with conservatives in general, anyone who identifies as conservative, to me says, I am more interested in maintaining the status quo than I am working towards a better future. That is why I am such a liberal. I feel that conservative values are about maintaining a status quo that is untenable. So to have a liberal court, to me, is the most important thing in the government. I think it's more important than a, li a liberal uh, legislative branch or a liberal executive branch. And the reason that I believe that is, look at the presidency of George W. Bush. As much as George W. Bush screwed up the economy, he was limited in what he could do to screw stuff up. He had a Democratic Senate that stopped a lot of legislation. The Supreme Court during his time period made several decisions that I didn't like, but you had enough, you had Kennedy on there, who I honestly, like, he gets demonized a lot for being a flip-flopper on his values, but I think that that speaks highly of the man, that he is willing to hear arguments and change his opinion based on what the best argument is. So, I have a respect for the Supreme Court, I, I, and, I, and I value their importance to the United States, and to have... Mitch McConnell come out and tell me, the American citizen, that I will not appoint anybody to the Supreme Court and I will allow that seat to remain unfilled for a year is the same thing that's been going on with them when they had a majority in the House and would not approve federal judges, which we put a lot of attention on the Supreme Court. 
But realistically, it's the federal district judges whose appointments who have been held up by conservative Senate and uh, Congress that are actually the most damaging. I assume you know about that as well. Oh, yeah, and... Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I mean, other than to say that the things that you mentioned, I, I do agree with. I mean, it's, it is important to have progressive judges on the bench at the U.S. Supreme Court in order to uphold certain public and social policies and everything. Um, but having said that, as I, as I mentioned, I just don't have that love for the Supreme Court, as well as, you know, the... Um, district courts, state supreme courts, things of that nature, because, you know, being the, the things I have done, I actually had to go before court at the district level, at the state level, um, to actually argue for something is just tasking and trying to convince a judge um, to say this is what people need. And then find out at the end of the day that they're not going to rule in favor of it. It's, it's just very, it just diminishes all the, some of the work that some of us do and everything, you know. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's been times I've gone down into um, Chicago <clears throat> and going to the federal courthouse and, you know, testify and argue um, for fighting to strike down certain election laws and everything, and then coming out from it and getting a um, a ruling that, you know, essentially saying, thanks, we heard you, but here's why you're wrong. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, that you've been disheartened by the process, but that doesn't mean, I, 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 listen, we, we, I'm not going to argue with you on your opinion, that's a stupid thing to do, and that's what Republicans do, but to me, I, I the way, the reason I disagree with you on this is is fairly simple. It's that when the system is when the system is working correctly with a liberal Supreme Court, they will hear cases. The, the worst thing to me right. is when there's a serious case, and the Supreme Court instead of even dealing with it has punted it and just said no, we're not even going to hear arguments on this case, and it's an important issue. I feel that under a more liberal court, those cases will be heard. Oh, well, and I think so too. And but until we get to that point, which is of um, course assuming that we get that. Yeah, I mean, but once we get there, then of okay. course my attitude is going to change differently from that. Listen, but it's, enti that point. it's entirely possible by this time next year we'll be dealing with uh, Supreme Court judicial nominee uh, Omarosa from President Donald Trump. So. Which, for the record, if there's one... Don't God, say that. Oh, yeah? Or, okay, fine. Oh, God, I, think Seth, I think Seth uh, Myers made the joke of <laughs> Judge Gary Busey. No, don't even say that either. I actually wouldn't mind that. I think that'd be fun. So, I don't know. Have you actually seen, not the short list, but the list of mentioned names that are really up for grabs at this point no do you have do you have that oh i do All i right. mean as much as i dislike the u.s supreme court i'm always interested in who people's names get mentioned <laughs> in order to fill certain spots so it's a long list and and you know it's, it's not just strictly to the legal system itself i mean this goes out into like 
um, the executive branch, people who have held positions in the executive branch, governors, senators, state executive branches, um, litigators, academics. So here's like my short list of people that are, are up for this Scalia's spot and everything. All right, give me as much information as you can about each of the names you're going to say. So one of them was on the U.S. Court of Appeals, as someone's name has been thrown around, Siri, um, Senator Vonston. Um, he's uh, an Indian American uh, that is subcontinent India, not Native American. Um, his name's been thrown around. Um, he was actually voted last time around to be the person, but I believe it was Sotomayor Kagan took his spot and everything, but the current Senate that's installed actually likes him. Okay. So, I mean, for his name to be thrown around, um, he's a Harvard grad. He worked under, um, I believe, um, Senator Day O'Connor as a clerk. Um, he's upheld a lot of um, cases like the Sierra Club v. Jewel, which, you know, authorized a major opinion to like, seek protection of a historic site. Um, he's been this kind of golden child of the legal system. You know, he's, as a conservative says, you know, he pulled it by his bootstraps by living in subcontinent India and Got, got his schooling, came to the United States, went to Harvard, got his law degree, practiced, and, you know, he was supposed, and people identify him as, like, succeeding Scalia on the bench and everything. Um, but he's also the guy who's been the legal representative to Jeffrey Skilling, and for those who know Jeffrey Skilling, he's the former Enron executive. <laughs> so... Siri has actually f argued in the Skilling v. United States case when it came to Enron and everything. So that's a little bit of information that people need to know. So there's that. Um, if you look down, down away a little bit, um, in my view, if it's Obama nominating, I would, if I was Obama from Illinois, I would want someone from Illinois to represent on the bench and everything. So there's people like Diane Wood, who's in the Court of Appeals, um, University of Chicago Law School grad. Um, she, she was actually supposed to be a potential nominee when John Paul Stevens left. Right. But that's the one Kagan took. But Diane Wood was actually one of those names thrown around to actually fill in John Paul Stevens spots and everything. And this is someone that Wood was nominated by Bill Clinton back in 95. And was so, unable to get past the Newt Gingrich-controlled house. Right. So, so this is someone that, if you want to talk about a Clinton person, this is a Clinton person. Okay. That if Hillary, if they want to hold it off and let's say Hillary's in office, Diane Wood would probably be on um, her short list of things. And everything. Uh, other names have been thrown around. Elizabeth Warren names have been thrown around. Yeah, the, the thing with the thing with that though, and I was going to ask you about this because the other name that I had heard thrown around, and at first it sounds like a great idea because he seems like a good guy uh, and and a rational human being is Cory Booker. 
uh, out of New Jersey. I had heard that as well. Uh, there's also the rumor of Loretta Lynch. The problem I feel with any of those people is without any judicial decisions under their belt, none of them have served as a judge, I, I do feel that judicial experience is important. That ruling on cases is important also because you have an idea of how they'll rule on certain issues. Right. But Warren has a law degree in bankruptcy law. But most most, he's fought, most senators he's and, and in court regarding taxes and everything too. No, and listen, there I I think that if uh, the Democrats lose this presidential election, Elizabeth Warren is the person who runs in 2020. Like under that right. under that idea, like she's she to me is the presumptive favorite to run after that, and uh, would probably be one of the best candidates you've ever seen because she's got all of Hillary's bona fides, but uh, is actually likable. Right, right. Um, but yeah, like I, ne I never, I never, I did not hear about Cory Booker, um, this, this, Lynch, and Warren's or names I've I've heard thrown around. Let's talk about the little bit. Eric Holder. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's and not... actually thrown that name out there, too. That's myself. not going to happen. Um, some people have said, you know, maybe Hillary should bow out and have her be on the bench. Yeah, let me tell you what's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, on, on the list of things that are impossible to ever take place, Hillary Clinton leaving this race before she's beaten and buried is one of them. Uh, right. th there's just no way that that's going to happen. And... Uh, I mean, if we're going to play that game, then the hell with it. Let's put Bernie Sanders on the bench. Oh, God. Well, he doesn't have a law degree. I know. I'm just saying. But I've actually heard people hear about Obama filling the seat. Yes. For the record, I'm not against that. I, I think that if you could pull that. The second president who's done that, actually. Yeah. Can you name the first? Taft. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, there was another one nominated, but was uh, not approved. I want to say that was Wilson. Yes, or yes, it was, was Wilson. Wilson. Wilson was nominated and was not allowed and, and, and was stopped because it was a political appointment. But this was also as the League of Nations was falling. So right. there, there was any so, number of reasons. But, yeah, he was the other one. And, and uh, I, I actually think that also um, there's one other, not... Was it a president? I, I think that uh, you said Taft, but who is the... Oh, my God, I can't believe I can't think of this because I'm such a movie guy. Uh, the lawyer, the former president who uh, eventually became the lawyer in the Amistad case and played by Anthony Hopkins in the Spielberg movie. Oh, what the hell is it? In Amistad? In Amistad, yeah. I'm trying to remember... Who, John Quincy Adams. John Quincy Adams, I think, eventually, yeah. Didn't he eventually get on the Supreme Court as well? I don't know about that one, because I don't think he actually was on the Supreme Court. Or maybe he became um, a federal judge. I think he was a federal judge then on the Supreme Court, because that's why people tout Taft as being the first, because he was actually appointed and not nominated and appointed, actually on the bench and everything. I mean, if you're going to be an ex-president looking for a job, you know, what, what better way to, to do it? Well, I can say, I mean, if, if you're like Obama and you want to really seal your legacy, wouldn't you want to be a nominee appointed on the bench? Yes. I, but like, if you look at that as a conservative, it's like, oh, look, now we have communism. 
Now yeah. there's one person who actually wrote, signed the policy, and now he's upholding the policy. Right. No, you're you're absolutely correct about that. Like that's, and of course, once look, Barack Obama would never be approved by a Republican Senate to be a Supreme Court judge. Oh, hell no. The only way that would happen is if the Democrats take back the Senate and, and manage to, to kind of force that through. At which point, there would be the, the moment of ironic ironies where the Republicans would then sue the Supreme Court of the United States to remove one of their justices. Right. Which is um, so bizarre. I mean, a couple of other names. Um, another, another guy from Chicago at the district court level, at the Northern Illinois district level, who I've met personally, is um, Ruben Castillo. Okay. Uh, he's someone I would like to see because he, if you, especially when it comes to immigration laws that are happening right now, I think he would be the person that you want on the bench when it, when it comes to immigration law. I was going to say, and plus he'd be a, uh, the first Latino, correct? Exactly. Um, another person, his name's not thrown around as much, but I wish it was, is Larry Echohawk. Um, he was the Assistant Secretary of the Interior for in Indian Affairs, and he's also the former Idaho Attorney General and everything. So if you really want to make good graces with Native Americans, um, I would put someone like Larry Echohawk in there on the bench and everything. Plus, he's got a great last name. You're right? You I know. mean, what's your name? Larry Echohawk? It's like, wow. I only know of one person who has a real name that's cooler than that. And that's my buddy Tommy, whose middle name is Blackstone. There you go. Which, for the record, if my middle name was Blackstone, I would just make that my name. I'm going to say that's a name in itself. Right? Like, if you were like, my name is Thomas Blackstone. You're, no. No, right. your name is Blackstone. I'm just going to go by that. And then I would wear all black, and I would, I would fight. I would be a superhero. My brain the went last, to a weird The last place. name I want to mention, and I think this would be a good conversation point for both of us, is... Lisa Madigan's name has been thrown around. Okay. And honestly, I got to say, if you really want to see all the policies, don't you hate her, though? Way to go. I thought you didn't like her very much. I don't like her very much. That's why I want her to go. <laughs> oh, you want her to go to a position that you don't care about so that she stops <laughs> screwing up your stuff. Exactly. Oh, that's fair. I mean, look, there's. Everyone else is acting selfishly in this scenario. Why shouldn't AJ? Exactly. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, get rid of Especially her. Especially when you have, I don't know. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? State of Illinois? Could you imagine bringing Illinois corruption to the Supreme Court? It's already happened in the Oval Office. Why not? Uh, I, I mean, I, that's fair. That's fair. I, I, I often wonder if the real reason Rahm Emanuel had to leave was because at some point, <laughs> Barack Obama said, Rahm, this isn't Chicago. Please stop trying to run the White House like it's the mayor's office. Right. And then knowing Rahm Emanuel, they probably flicked him off, gave him a stunner, and then went back to Chicago. I mean... In that scenario, Rahm Emanuel is Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm just I I'm mean, just if there was an actual draft to get Lisa Madigan on the U.S. Supreme Court bench, I would be all in that draft. Yeah, you say that until the minute that you, AJ, 20 years from now, have to go before the Supreme Court to argue for some very important issue, and there she is, and you're just like, oh, I can see that happening to you. No, it, well, that, or I walk to the door and be like, we meet again, Lisa. And of course, she, she would destroy you by going, who are you? 
And then at which <laughs> and at which point your soul, your self esteem just plummets. Like, oh, that means everything that we've talked about previously is totally negated. So I'm actually it's a plus for me. <laughs> That's fair. Um, we're coming up on the end of this thing, AJ, and I just want to hit on this a little bit. Uh, the announcement was made during the debate. There's been a lot of conversation going forward as to what should happen next. How do you see this uh, Scalia's death affecting the election? What do you What do you think are the, the ramifications going forward for the election? I think this is going to be one of the linchpins on both the Republican and Democratic side of the respective races, primary races and everything. Um, because this is honestly, and we, and I'm surprised you haven't brought it up. Um, this is so right out of the West wing. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I I'm trying to tone down my West wing references. And Bartlett's like, we have somebody. <laughs> yeah. We can do this. I, I, um, that's where we're at at this point. And for everything that Scalia stood for and was against, this is an opportunity that if you are a Republican, I'm sorry, uh, you can't hit by, the, hit by the fences like Cruz is doing in order to seal your nomination to be the front runner. Um, you really have to find the pocket and put the ball in that pocket in order to get on base, quite honestly. All right. Well, first of all, your sports metaphors are all over the place. Uh, you, you, How is it all over the place? It's all, you it's said hit baseball. for the fences. You mean swing for the fences. Yeah, you you then made a pool reference in the middle of a baseball reference and then swung back to a baseball reference. A pool reference? Put the thing in the pocket? What the hell are you talking about? That's you a, never heard about hit, putting the ball in the pocket? Are you talking about in the in the split between left and center? Yes. I've never heard it referred to as the pocket. All my baseball coaches have always said that. Okay, well, that's why you're not very good at baseball. Wow. I'm just saying. Screw you. Uh, I, mean, I batted 500. Yeah, if, after two at-bats. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> and then, I, then I had a third at-bat, and it went down to 250. On American Legion team, mind you. Oh, the American Legion team. I don't know. I don't know why I'm being mean to you now. I apologize. I'm like, I'm I, don't, I don't know. It just kind of happened. It just that, that just sort of that just popped in there. What just popped and, in and, there? And for everyone who's listening, I mean, as everyone knows, I'm a very pacifist type of person. But when it comes to my sports, yeah, things will happen. Okay, well, you you also gave way too dramatic a pause there. I did. Like, I mean, like there's a pregnant pause, and then there's I've got triplets. <laughs> uh, this is true. The only thing I've got left to, about this is I, I feel that more so than even the primaries, because let's face it, during the primaries, it's going to be conservative judges, Democratic. In the national election, if there is still nobody appointed by the time the primaries are over, uh, I believe that this will be the focus of the election. I think it's it's shifted away from the division of the 1% and the 99, which I feel is the main focus of this presidential election, or was going to be, to now this, because this will be what they will argue about in a lot of the debates. What do you look for in Supreme Court justice? Who would you nominate if this scenario? The other thing is, this will be the first time, really, that we'll have a Supreme Court nominee in the social media environment, as we understand it. So, 
this story won't go away. This isn't even 10 years ago with Roberts and... Um, uh, who else was it? It was Robert and Bra- Roberts and Brayer, I believe. And the the way that I look at it, man, is let's just, I'm just double checking. Oh, Roberts and Alito. Sorry, both of those took place in '05 and '06. That's ten years ago. That's before social media really took off. This story isn't going to disappear. It's not going to fall to the back burner. And the story that comes out of this is even if Obama gets somebody appointed, people will now be aware and educated on the idea that the next president is going to nominate at least two more. So that will be the fault, I believe, will now become the focal point of the presidential election. So I don't know. I don't know what that means for Democrats or Republicans. I'm afraid everything points to me that the Republicans are going to win the White House, even if it's Trump. So... I'm afraid. I'm very afraid. Because I don't want a super... I don't want... Put it this way, AJ. I don't want a... Um, what would it be at this point? A 6-3 to three conservative majority on the Supreme Court. That's just scary as hell to me. And it will be scary if that ever happens. And goodbye to the rights to abortion. And really any individual rights that you like as an American citizen. Because what they'll say is, well, if you're a good citizen, you've got nothing to worry about. And then they just keep changing the definition of what is a good citizen. Right. So, all right, AJ, anything else before we end the show today? Nope. Gotta do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. Appreciate you guys coming here. You can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network, on Twitter, Chicago Podcast One, and you can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. We will respond to you. We will love you. I will whisper sweet, romantic things to you in your ear um, about a liberal Supreme Court. It'll be the sexiest pillow talk you've ever heard. AJ, say goodbye to the people. Court in recess. Ooh, I like what he did there. You see what he did there, folks? That's what we call comedy. End of show. I believe the phrase I'm looking for after that is, uh, oh yes, we out! six miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.